Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. and welcome to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. Today, we're going to be talking about what taxes will look like in the future. Now, it'd be great if we all had a crystal ball and we knew exactly what they were going to look like. The reality is we don't, but I think there are a few key pieces of information that we need to be looking at when it comes to what might shape future tax policy. And the reason for that is this is extremely important for retirees and soon-to-be retirees. Because from an income standpoint, if your effective tax bracket doubles in retirement, then what that really means is your income gets cut in half. Now, will your effective tax bracket really double? Not likely, but the principle remains that in retirement, between the portfolio you have, your other income sources, you're going to have a fairly fixed income. You're not going to have the option of just going to work more and earning more. So we need to understand that if you have that set income amount, what role will taxes play and what could that potentially do to decrease your income? Because when we know that, we can start to take steps today to proactively get in front of that. Here are some of the things that we want to think about when thinking about where taxes might be in the future. Number one, we need to understand that income tax brackets are near historic lows. Now, I don't like paying taxes any more than the next person does, but the reality is they're a fact of life. And as much as we don't like paying those taxes today, these taxes, the tax brackets that we have today, depending upon how you look at it, are near historic lows. So a brief history about income tax. Before 1913, there was no federal income tax. The Revenue Act of 1913, it imposed income tax, and the initial income tax was 1% of income on incomes above $3,000. Now, there's an additional 6% surcharge for a 7% total tax on incomes more than $500,000, which would have been quite a bit of money at that time. But in 1913, or before 1913, I should say, there wasn't any federal income tax. 1913, that federal income tax goes to 1% with a 6% surcharge on incomes over $500,000. But five years later, by 1918, the top rate was actually increased to 77%. So the income tax bracket started, and then they rapidly increased quite substantially. And the reason for that was World War I started. And so amounts, and really that was only amounts above a million dollars, but those amounts were taxed at 77%. Those rates stayed the same, and then they dipped a little bit in the late 20s, early 30s. And then after that, in the 40s and the 50s and beyond, Top income tax brackets, they were in the 90s to mid 90% range. Now, I know it's not really accurate just to look at the top income tax bracket because most people, in fact, the majority of people aren't paying anywhere close to that. But even when we look at average tax brackets, where we're looking at tax brackets today, with the top tax bracket being 37% federally compared to times where it's in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80%, you're looking back to the 70s or the 60s or even before. Even if we look at average tax brackets, the average tax brackets that people are paying today are substantially lower than the average brackets paid before. Now, again, I know average is tough to calculate because everyone, tax brackets don't move in tandem for everyone. But in general, we can say with certainty that we're at relatively low tax brackets relative to where this nation's been since 1913. Now, on top of that, the tax brackets that we have today, we know for certain that if nothing else changes, the tax brackets are set to expire in 2025. So new tax law was signed into place at the end of 2017 and was effective at the beginning of 2018. And those new tax brackets, they are set to expire in 2025 if nothing happens. 
What does that mean? Well, it means that on average for most people, there'll probably be a three to 4% increase in tax. For example, today, any income that you make between $19,050 and $77,400, if you're a married couple, that income is taxed at 12% federally. When these tax brackets expire, that same threshold, that same tax bracket will increase from 12% up to 15%. The tax bracket above that today is 22%. If these tax brackets expire, that 22 will turn to 25. So in general, even if nothing changes, we know that taxes will go up just because of this factor that is talked about here. So number one, income tax brackets are at historic lows. We know for certain, unless anything changes, they're going to increase in five years. And looking forward to your retirement or looking out towards your retirement, it's probably reasonable to assume that overtime tax brackets will continue to go up just because, as I mentioned, they are at historic lows. Now, number two, the second thing we want to think about when it comes to understanding where will tax brackets be in the future, the debt levels in the U.S. are rising. Now, U.S. debt, the federal debt, it's not the same as personal debt. We're not ever going to get to the point where the U.S. is debt-free. The government's not going to apply the snowball principle and just gradually pay off all its debt. That's not how it works. That's how personal debt works, but not for the government. And it's not even necessarily a problem that the U.S. government has debt. The problem is when debt and debt payments that the government is making become too large relative to the country's GDP, the gross domestic product, or essentially the total production of our economy, the goods and services that we produce. Now, as of February 2020, the U.S. debt is $23.3 trillion. That's only expected to grow, with especially with the most recent stimulus package. There's obviously a coronavirus crisis that's happening right now. Economy is being shut down. People are not allowed to go outside to do certain things. Well, what does that mean? The government's expanding unemployment. The government is providing loans to small businesses. The government's doing a lot of things to inject money into the economy. Now, you can make a lot of arguments why that's a good thing, but the reality is that's also increasing debt. Now, it may be necessary right now, but just something to think about that as debt levels rise, what does that mean for future taxpayers in terms of eventually paying this debt off? Because from a very simple standpoint, the government can do two things to get control over the debt. It can either increase its revenue, or it can decrease expenses, or of course, a combination of the two. The government is not a company. It doesn't create goods and services that it sells. It increases its revenue by taxing people. So if you're a retiree, a big risk that you're going to face is the uncertainty as to what will your tax brackets be, not just today and for the next few years, but what will they be 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, a larger or higher tax bracket could significantly decrease the amount of income that you actually have to live on in retirement. Third factor that we need to consider is that the population is getting older. In 1950, only 8% of the U.S. population was older than 65. Today, 16% of the population is over 65. And by 2050, it's projected that 22% of the population will be older than 65. Now, that's great. That means a lot of people, they're living longer, they're now retiring, they have good, comfortable retirements if they do their planning right. But the strain that will place on the economy and the strain that will place on the federal government is now there are fewer people that are working and paying into Social Security and Medicare and other government programs. And there are more people that are now collecting Social Security and Medicare and other government programs. So from a realistic standpoint, what that means is that we can probably expect that tax revenue will have to go up at that time to be able to support these programs that maybe weren't designed to support as many people over 65 as they were designed to do when they were first created. So that's another factor to consider 
that population is getting older. Great thing overall means people are living longer. But from an economic standpoint, from a tax standpoint, one of the ways the government's going to offset that, offset those costs, is likely through raising taxes. Now, none of this podcast episode, this isn't designed to be anything political. This isn't saying that this is a good thing or a bad thing. This is just saying this is the reality. The taxes are low. People are getting older. There's a lot of debt that the government has. What does that equation look like? Well, it looks like there'll probably be tax increases along the way. So again, not a political statement, but if we're looking at this as planners and what can we do to protect against taxes potentially going up for you over time, we want to know what resources exist today for you to do so. So here are some things that we can take a look at because we don't know where taxes will be. We just think that they might be higher. I think that they might be higher. You may have different opinions. That's totally fine. Write in. I would love to have a conversation about that. But here's some of the things that we do now just to summarize. Number one, taxes are close to historic lows over the past 100 years. Number two, the country has a lot of debt and rising deficits. Number three, the population is getting older. Number four, the current tax rates are set to expire in 2025 and they're going to go up at that point. And then number five, the political climate that we're in, there could be a radical change to how things are handled in this country for better or for worse, depending upon what side you're looking at this from. But that is what we do know. So knowing that that's what we know, the question is now, what can we do? So we're going to look at five things that you can consider doing to protect yourself against future tax increases. Number one, the first thing is consider making Roth IRA contributions or Roth 401k contributions. The way that Roth IRA or Roth 401k contributions work is that any money you put into those accounts, you don't get a tax benefit today. It doesn't lower your taxes. It doesn't save you on taxes but that money then grows tax-free and it can be withdrawn tax-free in retirement. This is always a two-sided equation. You need to look at what's your tax bracket today versus what's your tax bracket going to be in retirement. If you're in a higher tax bracket today, well then of course you wanna do a traditional 401k or traditional IRA contribution. That's get that money today into something that's gonna give you a tax deduction when you're in a higher tax bracket and then pull that money out when you're in a lower tax bracket or vice versa. If you know for certain that today you're making less income than you will in your retirement, then let's do a Roth IRA contribution or a Roth 401k contribution today so that you can put that money in when you're at a lower tax bracket and pull it out tax-free when you're at a higher tax bracket. If it was that easy to know where tax brackets will be, this equation would be very straightforward. The challenge is we don't know exactly where tax brackets will be in the future. You might have a very good idea of your if your income is going to be higher or lower in the future, but we just don't know where tax brackets are going to be. So for that reason, making Roth IRA or Roth 401k contributions is a way of helping you to hedge against whatever might happen to tax brackets in the future. Number two, a second thing that you can consider doing is use the first few years of retirement to do Roth conversions. Maybe you are in a very high income tax bracket today. Maybe you've got a high paying job. Maybe you've got husband and wife both working or spouses both working. Great. Take advantage of 401k and other pre-tax deductions to try to lower your taxes that you owe today. But then as soon as you retire, sometimes it makes sense to use those first few years of retirement when income drops significantly to make Roth conversions. The reason for that is just because income drops as soon as you retire doesn't mean it's going to stay low forever. Once you turn 72, by that point, a spouse, or if if you're married, you're likely to have two social security benefits paying at that time. You'll certainly have two social security benefits paying at that time. You're going to have your portfolio income and you're going to have required minimum distributions from your 401ks and from your IRAs, whether you want to take them or not. 
So there's often this valley that happens between the time that you retire and the time that you turn 72 and are forced to take money out of your 401k and IRA where your income is lower, therefore your taxes are lower. That valley is sometimes a great time to do Roth conversions because instead of delaying everything and delaying all the taxes until the future, sometimes it makes sense to pay taxes, do Roth conversions in that valley when tax brackets are lower so that you have less of a tax liability from 72 and beyond. Number three, the third thing that you can do is invest outside of retirement accounts. So many people, they put all their retirement money into 401ks or into IRAs, and it's not a bad thing, but it limits some of your options in retirement. It's saying that any income that you want to take above and beyond social security or pension or any other income sources you have, any income you want to take above and beyond that it's fully taxable if it's coming out of an IRA or 401k. Not bad, but there's no way to avoid taxes. If you need an extra $10,000 in a year, that $10,000 is definitely going to be taxable. If you need $50,000 more in a year, that $50,000 is definitely going to be taxable. You say, well, James, of course that's the case. Well, it doesn't have to be. If you also could invest outside of retirement accounts, so this could just be a joint account for you and a spouse or an individual account for you or a trust account, Whatever it is, it's just an investment account that's not a 401k or an IRA of any type. It's a non-retirement account. And the benefit of that is now if you have half of your money or just say some, it doesn't have to be exactly 50-50, but you've got part of your money in retirement accounts and part of your money not in retirement accounts. Now, if you go to that same scenario where say you need an extra 50,000 in a year for retirement, well, you don't have to take it all out of your IRA. You could be strategic of saying, okay, well, if for example, by taking out more than 30000 it's going to put you into the next tax bracket. Let's take the first 30000 out of your IRA and take the $20,000 difference from your joint account or your individual account by specifically selling and strategically selling, I should say, the investments in there that aren't going to generate a gain for you. So it just gives you more flexibility. When you need to take income, you can be strategic about where that income is coming from to help to keep you in a lower tax bracket. And to do that, you want to start investing outside of retirement accounts while you're still working. So if you're listening to this and you're not retired yet, this is sometimes a very compelling case to say, yes, do your 401k. Absolutely, if you have it. But on top of that, if you can afford it, start to invest outside of retirement account as well. The fourth thing that you can do is determine where you're going to live in retirement. So I live in California. A lot of my clients are in California. And in California, it's no secret that we have a high tax bracket. Oftentimes, based upon your income, you can expect to pay 8, 9, 10, 12% of your income to state income taxes in addition to your federal income taxes. So what I oftentimes see is I see a lot of clients that they are in California, they have a great high paying job here, but as soon as they retire, they might retire to a different state, whether for tax reasons or otherwise, by retiring to a different state, now as they're taking their income from their IRAs or their 401ks, they might be in a state that doesn't tax that. So that could potentially generate an extra 8 to 10% for every dollar they take out of their IRA by retiring somewhere else. Of course, this is not just a financial decision. There's so much that goes into moving. You want to make sure that you're retiring where you want to retire. But if there's other places and if you're open to moving, I see a lot of people doing this effectively because their money goes so much further when they retire out of state. One thing to note with this is when you're looking at state taxes, they tax different things differently. For example, in retirement, if you take money out of an IRA and you live in California, it's taxed as ordinary income, just like anything else is. If you receive Social Security in California, it's not taxed at all. 
Now, most states, they don't tax Social Security, but there are a handful of them that do. So if you're going to move from a state like California or like New York or like some high-income state, income tax state, but you move to a state that doesn't have any state income taxes but it taxes Social Security, it could be offsetting some of those benefits that you just achieved. So make sure that you're looking at this holistically. You're looking at how will IRAs be taxed, how will capital gains be taxed, how will Social Security be taxed, so that as a whole, you can make sure you're making the right decision. Again, this isn't just a financial, just a tax decision. But if you are going to move out of state for tax purposes, make sure that that's something that you're looking at because it could be a way to say, let's work in this state that you're in right now because you've got a great job there. But to protect against future tax increases, you might move elsewhere to protect what you have in your investment portfolio. Number five, the fifth thing that you can do is you can max your social security benefits. Well, what does that have to do? Well, I just said that if you live in California or other states like California, you don't actually have taxes that you owe on your social security. So if you can max out your social security benefit, either by number one, having good income and paying a lot into social security over the course of your working career, or number two, by delaying when you collect your social security benefit, what that does is it increases the amount of your income or it increases the percentage of your total income that's coming from social security. And that income isn't taxed at the state level in California and many other states. And it's not even fully taxed at the federal level. So by maxing your social security benefit, either again, working longer or not working any longer, but just delaying when you collect. So for example, retiring at 65, but waiting until 70 to collect. By doing that, you're increasing the portion of your income that's either non-taxable or at least taxed at a reduced rate for the rest of your life, assuming there's no changes made to how social security gets taxed. So in summary, Looking back at the episode, we don't know where tax brackets are going to be in the future. We know that there's a several different things that I think could come together to cause tax brackets to rise. That's no secret there. I think a lot of people think that that's probably likely. Knowing that we don't know exactly where tax brackets are going to be, we don't need to predict it, but we can be smart about how we plan. Whether it's through making Roth IRA contributions or Roth 401k contributions, whether it's using the first few years of your retirement if retirement's coming up soon between now and 2025 to do Roth conversions before tax brackets increase, whether it's outside or investing outside of retirement accounts, whether it's determining where you're going to live in retirement, maybe retiring to a lower tax state, or just through maxing social security benefits. These are some examples of some things that you can start to think about either today or in the future that will help to hedge your portfolio and hedge your financial plan against the risk of rising tax brackets in the future. That's all I got for today. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ready for Retirement, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ready for Retirement podcast. To see the show notes from today's episodes, please head over to the Ready for Retirement website at readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show. A new episode is released every week, and by subscribing, you'll be the first to notified that episode is available. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then please also head over to the readyforretirement.co website. And there'll be a section there, a full page there, where you can ask a question that I will answer on a future episode. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey, everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.